Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my wife, Carol. How are you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? Not much. It's been a good week here. It is February 13th, nineteen. 99. It is. And I don't have a lot of news today, uh, mostly because the news has been completely dominated by one thing and one thing only. What's that? Uh, William Jefferson Clinton acquitted yeah. in his impeachment trial. So he will not be thrown out of office Yay. for having sex with a brunette. <laughs> if it was a blonde, someone would have shot him, but... <laughs> Because of Kennedy, you know? Right. I assume that's why the RBI Oswald liked Marilyn Monroe or something. I don't know. <laughs> he wanted to impress Marilyn Monroe. Okay. Wait a minute. So, wait, you're saying that John F. Kennedy slept with Marilyn Monroe. That's the rumor, yeah. And you think that's why Lee RV Oswald shot him? To impress her, yeah. Oh. That wouldn't impress her. That would just make her sad. I, that's what they all think, though, right? Like... Uh, Mark David Chapman shot John Lennon to impress Jodie Foster or whatever. What? He was like teenage prostitute in a uh, in a Martin Scorsese movie. She'll love it if I shoot John Lennon. <laughs> okay. Crazy. That really was his justification. Holy shit. Yeah. Poor Jodie Foster. <laughs> like, can you imagine being like the the thing that instigated that? Or maybe he maybe it was the one that shot Reagan. Wanted to impress Jodie Foster. I don't remember. Why are there so many people shooting One people? of them wanted to impress Jodie Foster. Like, it seems like being a, a president's a dangerous thing. Sirhan Sirhan just wanted a raise from his job in the kitchen or whatever. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. That's the guy that shot Robert Kennedy. Anyway, uh, speaking of disasters, uh, the, the other bit of news that I have, just a bit of news is Stephen King's Storm of the Century, Carol. Yes. Uh, it's coming out. A supernatural killer rides a blizzard into town <laughs> in Stephen King's new thrill. That just sounds dumb. I mean, like, normally Stephen King stuff's good, and I'm sure it will be, but that's a really bad description. Normally Stephen King, uh, like, books are good. A lot of Stephen King movies are not good. Mm, that's true. Because Shaw- that's other people. The Shawshank Redemption uh, is an exception, and there are a few others, like Stand By Me. But, yeah. But, uh, yeah, a lot of them are really bad. The Shining was good, but, you know, not Sh- Stephen King's The Shining, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Yeah, I don't even... Well, Stephen King's The Shining was good, too, that book. That yeah, was good. The book was good, but I'm saying, like, the movie was not... Like, Stephen King didn't like it. Like, it wasn't his version of it. Yes, like, correct. Yeah, he, he famously hates The Shining. And it's so weird, because it's so good. Uh, I mean, it's not the same as the book, though. So it's Stanley Kubrick is... A very good director. Yeah. There are different things. Like, I don't think it needs to be the same as the book. I don't think an adaptation needs to be the same as the book. Sure. Like, Stephen King's The Shining, I think now, is all, all about addiction and alcoholism and stuff like that. I think mm-hmm. that's that's the real monster in it, and I think that's pretty clear. Uh, now that he is on the other side of sobriety, that that's very much what his book was about. Right. And even, he might have not even realized that. Yeah. And... Stanley Kubrick's movie is not about alcoholism. It's about obsession and, and you know, like it's 
it's a completely different take yeah. on the source material, but that's fine. They, they can both be good in their own way. Uh, anyway, speaking of something that's probably not good, though, something wicked good this way comes. Stephen okay. King's Storm of the... Oh, Mike Duffy loves it. <laughs> Stephen King's Storm of the Century, the first original miniseries, the best-selling master of freaky-deaky malevolence. Oh, my Lord. As Mike Duffy, we love you. As created for television, packs a sinister wallop it's a ripping good winter's tale. So this is written by Stephen King specifically as a miniseries. Okay. It's not based on previous material. This is his and his alone. Interesting. Unlike some of the overstuffed hit and miss miniseries adapted from King's books in the past, including The Stand, 1994. Oh, and the maybe this is what you were talking about. And The Shining, 1997. The, the, the Stephen King's The Shining mm-hmm. adaptation or whatever. Yeah. Uh, this was that what you was that what you were talking about at first? Was you didn't? I, like, you I didn't literally like just meant that Stephen King was not part of the making of the movie The Shining. Gotcha. I didn't know if you didn't like that 1997 version. I don't know if I've seen the 1997 version. It's got someone. It's got one of the brothers from Wings in it, and in Storm of the Century, the other brother from Wings. Interesting. Stephen King loves Wings, I guess. I guess so. Uh, this one is a lean, mean fright machine. Instead of erratic schlock, it psychologically rocks. It rocks. It'll be interesting. I don't know. Maybe we'll watch it. I don't know. We should. Uh, I mean, what else do we do? Yeah, exactly. We watch things all the time. We watch things and talk about them. Uh, the, other, the only other thing, the other story really that I had was it's not very in-depth or whatever, but Terry Lawson, one of the other film critics for the Detroit for Press, was arguing, or not arguing, complaining about how sometimes movies don't, sometimes companies don't pre-screen their movies. There's a movie coming out, Gloria, and, and he wrote to the to Columbia Pictures and was like, hey, how come you're not doing a pre-screening for critics? We get into pre-screenings mm-hmm. sometimes. We got into a pre-screening of this movie. Yes. Uh so they, yeah, we were kind of a big deal, guys. Uh, so he's like, uh, Columbia Pictures said that we have no response or whatever. It's like, of course not. But he basically talks about how when they think a movie's bad, they don't pre-screen it. Hmm. They try to hide it and how that's bad for viewers. It's bad for the industry, whatever. It's bad for critics because critics can't get their, their stuff out ahead of time, but whatever. Right. Okay. But speaking of not bad movies, or maybe bad movies. I was curious as to your take on it, actually. We saw the movie Jawbreaker. Yeah. Based on the candy. It's I believe this is a sequel to Willy Wonka. <laughs> oh, my. It's a candy-inspired caper. No Oompa Loompas in this one, though. The director of this is Darren Stein. He wrote and directed this. He uh, directed his directorial debut as a movie called Sparkler. Okay. came out a couple of years ago uh, with Freddie Prinze Jr. and uh, a lot of really great character actors. Jamie Kennedy's in it. Uh, not that he's necessarily a great character actor, but um, you know he's got his own thing going on right now. But there's a lot of really wonderful character actors in that movie, and it's a, a very it's it's like a kind of slash and dash small uh, small budget sort of film. Okay, this is not that. This no, is, this is different. <laughs> Uh, but it's different. What did you think of the breakings of the jaws? I liked it. Did you? It was weird. Um, it was 
I don't know. It had a very strong presence. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. What did you think? I liked it a lot. It's a it's a big weird swing. Yeah, and I like big weird swings. There's <laughs> there's a lot of really bold decisions going on in this movie. Whether it's the costuming, which uh, the costuming to me was interesting in mm-hmm. this movie. Obviously, you've got uh, many pretty people to to dress up and everything. But let's it, play dress up. It was it seemed a very like fifties like fifties, early sixties inspired stuff with a nineties slat you know, bent to it as well. But like the Rose McGowan, the she was the uh the sister in Scream mm-hmm. when they gets killed in a uh in a garage door. Yeah, I remember that. Um she's wearing like uh it's a lot of times she's wearing one of those like scarfs that tie just around the neck. Yeah. Like that and everything. That's very like 50s, 60s inspired to me. Some of the sweaters they're wearing, the the dress sweater combinations. Hmm. And the costuming to me is one of the one of the many things that I think is a very deliberate choice, very uh stylized. I wonder if there's any correlation to her covering her neck and then how she killed her friend. <laughs> I don't know. Now, there's going to be spoilers, so if you haven't, this movie hasn't yet wide released to the public yet. So if you haven't, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, you know, wait on this tape and, and then watch it or listen to it. Watch the movie, then listen to this. But yeah, there's going to be some spoilers here for the movie. We got into a, uh, a pre-screen where we were the only people in the pre-screen. Yeah, it was weird. Like, where the fuck was everybody else? I don't know. We got to make out though, so that was cool. It was nice. Yeah. We we paid pretty much attention though, don't worry. Yeah, we we watched most of the movie. <laughs> um, somebody dies, and then like I don't know, it was over. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, so Carol, Mark, you're a girl. I am. You have friends who are also girls. I do. Have you ever kidnapped one of your friends on her birthday? No, no. They acted like this is a ritual that's like done, and I've never heard of that. Well, the, apparently, this is not the first time they've done it. It's they've so kidnapped this particular girl on at least one other occasion for her birthday. So she must have known what was going on then. Maybe. If they'd done it before. You would think so. The poor girl. So. They kidnap this. They, they, so it's it's Heather's. This movie's a lot like Heather's, kind of. Sure. But it's basically four very popular girls. They run the whole school. They're gorgeous. Everyone loves them, looks up to them. It's that kind of social hierarchy mm-hmm. type thing. And the three, three of them capture the fourth one for her birthday. Because it's her 17th birthday. And Rose McGowan decides that she's going to put a... Uh, jawbreaker in her mouth in her mouth as a gag it's like the size of a fist it's like shoving a fist in somebody's mouth it's awful and then taping yeah taping her mouth so she can't spit it out and it gets lodged in her throat and she dies now they show this thing in her throat yeah yeah. i don't think that would really happen i don't think so i don't think you could get it that far down your throat it could block your windpipe, but I don't think you could, like, half swallow it. That doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah, and that was just nasty. Like, that was some body horror. I did not like it. It was. It's, like, basically, the only... Well, there's two There's two scenes of body horror, kind of. There's that, that scene, and then there's the scene where they're manipulating her body to make it look like she said sex. But yeah, you the, don't... You hear a lot of the... Yeah. But you don't... You don't see it. 
Yeah, they're talking about, they were talking about her being raped. Like yeah. that they want to make it look like she was raped. Right. Now, I, I'm pretty sure just based on, you know, some of these like, you know, detective shows mm. that they can tell whether or not that's happened pre or post-mortem. Well, here's the thing. So they didn't, they didn't, no one had sex with the body. Yeah. They didn't shove anything in there. They didn't, like, I really thought they were going to. They ripped her so underwear. Yeah, they did. They did everything else. They spread her legs. Like, I don't know why it didn't occur to them that they would also need to violate her vagina. Well, but they didn't. I don't, I guess maybe you didn't catch it. Huh. But Rose McGowan sets it up so that it does kind of look like she was raped. She finds a stranger who happens to be her current no, boyfriend, yeah. Marilyn Manson, uh-huh. brings him to their the bed, that this girl's bed, and has her have sex with her, has him have sex with her, Rose McGowan, on the bed, so that I guess there's stuff left behind. But, okay, yeah, I know she did that, but that still doesn't make it look like the body was raped. No, I mean, like, yeah, if they did an examination of the vagina, then, like, yeah. I mean, she maybe she was a virgin. Who knows? I mean... <laughs> That's what they said. They said she was a virgin. So, yeah, they would know she was still a virgin. I mean, I guess they could have thought she died before, you know, they got there. Maybe. Or maybe they were like... But that doesn't jibe with Rose McGowan's story either, though. That this girl has a dark secret that she likes to fucking, yeah. like, bring strange guys home and stuff like That's that. That's true. That's like a proclivity of hers. But... I, I guess I'm, my guess is they didn't even examine her for that. But why wouldn't they? They you if they, it's an autopsy, of course they would. I'm sorry. This is my biggest problem with the movie. Okay, I was is, gonna say like you, this is definitely a hole in the movie for sure. I don't think it ruins the movie, but it's definitely a thing. It was it preoccupied my mind throughout a good portion of the movie. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because like they just they should have known something was very very wrong. So. Yeah, they would. In in reality, they would. And in reality, they wouldn't just bring in Pam Greer some... Like, was she a detective that worked for the police? I guess. She just comes in in plain clothes, Pam Pam Greer, you know, ripping off her sunglasses. I'm detective, whatever. Call me Violet. I'm going to get him. I'm straight from a 1970s black exploitation film that I was famous for. Call me Violet. Whatever her name is. Not Violet. Uh, that was, yeah. Vixen? The other one. What was her name? Vickery? I don't know. I don't know what her name was, but I know it, was it wasn't Violet. It was something with a V. Okay. But anyway, so, yeah, that, but the whole thing, so, this whole movie, it's a black comedy, obviously, and it's very stylistic. This is not a real world. Well, no, obviously. This is not a real world with real world things. Which is why they can get away with it. And everybody... Everyone that's cast knows what movie they're in. This mm-hmm. this is very well written and tightly directed. Everybody is on the same page as to what movie they're in. Carol Kane, who is a, a very a famous, uh, funny, very funny uh, comedic actress, is giving a, a fantastic understated performance as the principal. <laughs> like with her little voice and stuff mm-hmm. like that. She knows what movie she's in. Sure. Um... Who who do you think's the standout here? Um, because Rose uh, McGowan uh, gives a great performance. I think. Yeah, she does. Um, but also, I think you know the one from Michigan. Uh, what's her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's her name? She, we know her. She's we're tangentially related to she this went actress to the same high school. Yeah, Church Hill. 
But what the hell is her? Shout I, out. I'm like, my memory. I'm, I'm giving you time to remember her name so that you'll remember, and I don't have to. Noxina. Oh, no, you don't remember either. Nox. Oh, no. Judy Greer's her name. Thank you. <laughs> Miss Judy Greer from, from, uh, from Churchill High School. Yeah. Why don't you come on the show, Judy Greer? She's a star now. We would love to talk to you. Yeah. She's a star. She is a star. Uh, also, Noxima Girl's in this. Yeah, I love Noxima Girl. And uh, She's my favorite character. Rebecca Gayhart is her real name. Uh, She'll and, always be Noxima Girl to me. And then the girl from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Did you recognize her? One of the, the acolytes of the master is in this. Julie Benz. Hmm. She was one of the ones killed early on. Yeah, like I in season remember. one. The blonde one. Okay. she. I don't remember her being on Buffy. But. She was on Buffy. Okay. I recognize a couple background people, too. Like, yeah. throughout the movie, but... Yeah, there's some good, there's some, there's some good acting going on in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Continue. <laughs> I didn't know I was in the middle of anything. <laughs> the fuck? Continue. No, I um, was saying, who do you think's the standout? No, I, I was saying, I thought Judy Greer. You think Judy Greer's fern is the standout. Violet. Yeah. The one that gets the ugly duckling makeover. Because she starts out as the ugly duckling, and she does a really good job with like the extremes and her transformation and everything. She so, does. Yeah. She does. I like, uh, I like her transformation. But Rose McGowan, also incredibly strong. Yeah, I think everyone's pretty good in the movie. Um... Now, you said she had sex with Marilyn Manson in this movie? Yeah, she does. Like. That's the stranger she picks up. That He doesn't look like Marilyn Manson to me. Because he didn't have all his makeup on? I didn't just, recognize him. Yeah. It was Marilyn Manson. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think that, uh, do you think the rumors of Marilyn Manson having uh, some of his ribs removed so he can suck his own dick is true? No, because I heard the same rumor about the lead singer from Tool. Oh, really? So I don't see how they would both have done that. And I think it's just a, <laughs> a rumor. What Maybe if, they get together and suck each other's other. dicks. Yeah. Hey, can you give me your, uh, can you give me your rib guy? <laughs> um, so I, do you have any, like, you don't look like you have anything to say about this movie at all. Um, <laughs> I do. I have things. Okay. I was going to say, because you, t- you told talked about something that you hated about the movie, which is the logistics of being raped or not being raped. <laughs> well, no, just like, okay, so they, they like fucking, you know, put her body back in her bed after they leave it in their trunk all day. Yeah. Wouldn't it be stinking? <laughs> it be stinking the the body the trunk yeah both things like i feel like that was a big gamble to leave that in the parking lot of their high school day. i feel like not i feel like that would take a while okay that's my opinion on it. so yeah i i mean like i didn't like the way they handled the body my question too is like the one girl wanted to call the police right away and they're like no 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 i kind of feel like they wouldn't get in that much trouble because it's obviously an accident. I think they'd get in a lot of trouble. I think they'd get in trouble. Maybe probation. I don't think they'd go to jail. You don't think they'd serve jail time? For accidentally killing her? I mean, accidental death is a thing. Like, I I don't know. I think, like, I think they'd get manslaughter. Maybe. I think they'd have to plead down to... And honestly, I'm curious as to what happens at the end of this. That's what bothers me. That's another thing that bothered me about the movie is that we don't get any resolution. And we get kind of a resolution. We get the... So, we get the high school comeuppance. 
But I like that this movie is kind of like a Looney Tunes cartoon. At one point, uh, this this guy that Rose McGowan ends up having sex with, who's not Marilyn Manson, somebody that she goes to prom with, he's in. They're in class together, and he looks over at it and he waggles his tongue. He's like. You know, like that mm-hmm. and it goes like like there's, there's sound effects to his tongue wagging like a very unrealistic sound effect yeah um the editing does a lot in this movie to kind of ramp up See, I, I like the 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 aesthetics of this movie mm-hmm. a lot the set dressing i think is is gorgeous the the costuming like i said before i think is gorgeous and everything is, for as dark as this movie is in tone, as written, everything is really warm. <laughs> like, every scene is very warmly lit. There's a lot of warm colors. There's a lot of browns and reds and, and everything, except for the opening. When they first kidnap her and they put like and they put her in the trunk of the car the car's blue mm-hmm. the color palette's blue when they open up the thing she's already blue and everything is blue about it basically yeah. from that point on everything else is really warm and so that gives you kind of like a cozy feeling it's, it's a, cozy death it's a comedy like it's comedy kind of lighting basically which i think works for the tone of this movie but what really captures it is the contrast of that warmness mm-hmm. with the weird editing. Because everything is edited. It's There are some scenes where it's like fast, fast, fast cut, mm-hmm. and it's almost disorientating. Or disorientating. And then there are scenes like when they first do the transformation of uh, the violet, uh-huh. fern into violet. And... She's walking down the hall, and it's the three of them, and Rebecca Gayhart's there. She's left the group now because she doesn't like the fact that they killed their friend. And Yeah, she's go figure. And she's like, what the heck's with you, Fern? And they're like, it's Violet now. And then, and then they do this cut where it's like, it's Violet, it's Violet. And like, mm-hmm. every time they say it, they cut to a different angle. Mm-hmm. And it's really like, jarring and disorientating. But it, it works with the overall kind of structure of the movie and the overall vibe of the movie. Yeah. It works really well. So I think there's a lot of very bold, intentional choices that work in service of this movie. I think it was hilarious, though, that like the student Fern is getting all these absences because she doesn't respond as fern and nobody recognizes her seriously like okay so who's violet like how does somebody they don't think she's the same student how is she going to class every day exactly I, it's weird it i mean it's just yeah i mean like yes i like the movie but there are a lot of if you think about the movie it, it blows up sure sure the, it, it's not but it's not a realistic world and no. i don't think it's supposed to be a realistic world no i don't think they it's because it's a comedy so everything has to be heightened it's this is really a farce mm-hmm uh, uh, like a dark farce. It's even more than like a black comedy. It's you know very farcical. Um, the the ending, the whole comeuppance of of the ending is farcical. So that they go to prom and Rose McGowan wins prom queen, and they have they've been looking for evidence of how can we find evidence that she's been killed. I think it's funny too that like. 
Rebecca Gayhart is looking for evidence that Rose McGowan killed their friend, but she didn't do it alone. No. Like... She's the one who put the jawbreaker in her mouth. That's the only reason that she's more culpable. I guess, but it's like they were all there. They were all in on it. Yeah. They would all be equally responsible in the eyes of the law. Yeah. Agreed. And so they're looking for evidence. They seem to think that they can just pin this on her, I guess. And it was established earlier in the movie that last year when they did this, they gave her a card uh, that's and like you know she was like she screamed like what are you doing to me or whatever mm-hmm. it's one of those cards you where you can record someone's voice and they recorded her that's so weird and, and well they're doing it while they're manipulating the body so it's like, it turns into like a funny moment and everything. yeah um but they they inadvertently record Rose McGowan admitting mm-hmm. to killing her her friend yeah and then they use that they play that at prom mm-hmm. And everybody hates her. Yeah, everyone, like, it's so funny because, like, instead of being like, what is that? What's going on? What's, like, what is she even talking about? Everyone seems to immediately know what it's in reference <laughs> to. And they immediately start throwing their corsages at her and, like, they're... Booing her. Yeah, like, and, and it's so funny because, like, there's the the generic crowd noise of, like, blah, blah. <laughs> and then every once in a while somebody would be like, Motherfucker! <laughs> yeah, it, that was a weird scene. Um, but still, like, okay, so it's out that she killed her, but nothing's going to happen to her? I don't know. Because they're like, they want... Rebecca Gerhardt's like, she's going to have some poor guy take the fall for this. Mm-hmm. We've got to get her back. And it's like, does that mean that she's going to get arrested? And are none of you going to get arrested? <laughs> Is the truth going to come out? Because, like, you're all culpable. Yeah. It's weird, but we don't get those answers because it just ends after prom. But I think the, so the movie, I think, one of the themes of the movie anyway, is about high school life. And it's like the fleetingness of fame and, and being popular and stuff like that. And also how terrible it is to be popular, kind of. Because, <laughs> like, everybody wants to be popular, but then there's all this... When they go to lunch, I think this this exemplifies it. Yeah. Uh, Fern, Violet, who's newly minted as one of the... Because she overhears what's going on, and she's like, I'm going to tell her whatever, and they're like, no, well, Rose McGowan's like, we'll make you into one of us, and then don't tell. And they have this this montage that I think is is kind of beautiful, although timeline wise it makes no sense at all. But it seems like they're juxtaposing her makeover with preparing the dead girl's body for because there's like there's scenes of caskets, there's scenes of like you know, and they're talking about oh you know we'll make her look like she's alive again and you know mm. like in doing like the makeup for the body and doing the makeup of making her up. Yeah, but time wise that doesn't jive but i guess it doesn't really matter because this is a a almost like a dreamlike world anyway but she goes to the cafeteria she brings out her lunch because she doesn't know any better and rose mcgowan is like put that fucking shit away like we don't we don't eat at lunch and then they talk about how any little thing you do can be used to be judged against you and everything so they like food but they don't eat in public they don't eat so people can see them and i'm thinking the whole time i'm like God, what a fucking nightmare it would be to be popular. Yeah. And, and to, because 
it's the idea of getting to that pinnacle and then holding on to it as hard as you can and how hard it is to hold on to that and like be perfect all the time. Like that's It does sound awful. I think that's one of the big themes of of the movie. So to me the ending makes sense because she has been torn down. Like legally yeah. she doesn't need to face consequences, I guess. Although obviously she probably will, but Yeah, it's her worst nightmare happening. Exactly. Exactly. But you know what? When I was in high school, I didn't eat in public either. No. And I wasn't popular at all. But it's because <laughs> I liked I liked pizza uh-huh. and all the fucking thin girls would blot the grease off their pizza before they ate it. And I like to pick my pizza up and let the grease run right down my fucking arm. So I would go eat that shit in private. <laughs> you wanted it to run down your arm? You didn't want to eat it. You just wanted to... You liked holding pizza and having grease run down your... I can see why you would do that in private. That makes sense. It also just, makes sense why you have zits all over oh, your arm. Hey, uh, she doesn't. But. No, it's just that much grease is amazing. I mean, greasy pizza is nice. What's the best greasy pizza? The school cafeteria. Mm, I jet, miss it. Jets? No. Oh, wow. I don't think that Jets is that greasy. Jets is kind of greasy. Mm. I don't know. I've never had pizza that's as greasy as a school cafeteria. No. I don't know how they do it. I don't know. A lot of olive oil, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. How do you give greasy pizza? Late fee 1994 at AOL.com. <laughs> If you know how to make a greasy pizza. There you go. A lot of pepperoni grease. I don't know. Maybe that's it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's basically it, I think. Yeah. So, it was uh, a good movie. It was a good movie. Recommend it. Go Definitely. see it. Go see it. But Carol, tell people what else to do. Uh, you can write us at latefee1994 at awl.com. Mm-hmm. Check out our website at www.retrolatefee.com. Mm-hmm. And share the tapes with your friends. Right, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.